Here we come with the chairs once again. Amen. Chair number one. Which one are you sitting in? Chair number two or chair number three. Okay, I want you to open your Bibles to, we're going to be looking at Judges chapter 4 and uh, Judges chapter 5, but chapter 5 next week. That's a song that um, uh, was sung by Deborah, and so we'll look at that next week. But we're going to be looking at the details of the battle, uh, more of the details this week. I mean, that, there's details given in the song, but uh, we will look at the uh, story, historical story here. And I'm just going to read... Um, a few verses because uh, we will stop and cover the rest of the verses during the sermon. But it says, Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth, Hag. Hagoyim, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for he had nine hundred iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for twenty years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And we'll just stop there, and we'll cover the others as we go along in the message. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we look at this. Father, I just want to thank you for your love and your grace. I want to thank you for the music. I want to thank you for the participation from the hearts and souls of those who sang. And, and Lord, I just pray that as we look at this passage today, that you will illuminate us with your word, your truth, the way that it should be delivered in our hearts and our souls. I don't know every life, and I certainly don't know what's going on. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will uh, be with them and, and help it to, to touch our lives in such a way that if we need encouragement, that it will be that encouragement. If we need conviction, it will be that conviction. If we need correction or discipline or uh, just uh, a teaching, that it will be that to our hearts and our souls, our minds. So. God, you work as only you can. May you get the honor and you get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. When uh, one opens up the book of uh, Judges to read about the next uh, man to serve God as a leader, you don't see a, a man serving God. You see a woman. And this was not the usual for, especially for Israel. And so in turn... We see uh, her, but we also see her enlisting a person uh, into or, or at, over the uh, military, Barak. And we, um, uh, we see this odd couple here serving. And uh, we um, see the Lord using, once again, the people who are willing to be used by God. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what gifts you have, it doesn't matter what talents you have, we see God using these once again. But the main thing that we want to we see through all of this is God's plan for his people. 
You see, God's plan for his people is not bound by earthly rulers. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that God can overcome anything. And he overcomes all obstacles to bring about his purpose or purposes for those who belong to him. And that's so very important. Using those who are willing to be used, like Deborah and Jael, like Barak, to restore his people to freedom and faithfulness. And that is very encouraging to us because we must understand that God is in control. And that because if he's not, then we will become very fearful of the obstacles that we face. But we do at times, don't we? We become fearful. When we, when we get to the unknowns, when there is confusion and, and we don't exactly know what's going on, we become uh, anxious many times and we begin to react or act on our own. And it, because it, it brings about so often more frustration. And we worry and we, uh, we begin to see uh, situations that are impossible uh, for us to work through, but they're not impossible for God. We have a God who is in control. And so, despite our, uh, despite our frailties and fear, uh, God turns our, uh, you know, fears and, 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 and uh, weaknesses into triumph by His uh, patience and power. And He will do that, just like He did here. And so, the first thing that we notice here is the same cycle that we've been talking about over and over again and this cycle is that they have moved that there was rebellion there was retribution repentance restoration and rest and the same thing happens this cycle happens here and so we're you know we're not familiar with the boring pattern of sin as much as uh, we see uh, uh, that they just went into this. They went into this situation where they l compromised and they left God uh, out of their lives and they began to do things on their own and then they cried out to God when they were in bondage and had enough and, and then God, uh, you know, he, he comes in and, and he uh, restores them and he gives them rest for a time. So... We're now familiar with the boring pattern of sin. And after the death of a prominent leader in the case of Ehud, uh, the Israelites once again did evil in the sights of the Lord. And this cycle is true in our life also. The unfortunate thing is we can get stuck in certain parts of that cycle, certain stages of that cycle, if we're not careful. And we don't hear the voice of God if we continue in that stage and we don't repent like we should and turn to God and we get further and further away and that's when you cannot distinguish between this chair and that chair. You're living the life that is so worldly that are so familiar with the unbeliever or uh, so close to the unbeliever that you don't you can't tell between them and the unbeliever and so the Lord 
as they did evil in his sight, what did he do? He sold them into the hands of their enemy. Now, this is not because God delights in doing something like that. He is a benevolent, or benevolent God. It's better, though, if we understand that we experience some hell on earth than to experience hell in hell for all eternity. And so if we are going through problems and difficulties, it is for a reason. God has a purpose and God has a reason. And for them, it was because of a need to repent. It was sin in their lives. And in this cycle, the king whom God permitted to oppress his people was Jabin. Now, this was probably a uh, dynasty name like Pharaoh and used there. Uh, he was a king of Canaan who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who played the very crucial, crucial role of this unfolding drama. And so he was one, the commander-in-chief, who terrorized Israel, the northern tribes of Israel. And his army included 900 chariots, iron chariots, for a span of 20 years, we're told. And finally, God's people cried out for the Lord to help. I mean, how long does it take for people to recognize, if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, that they are in this situation, that they're in their situation, that they're experiencing that for a reason, and examine their reason? But all of us are like that a lot of times. We begin to look at the situations that we're in, and we immediately go to, what can I do to get out of this? What can I do to be relieved of this? And we look at the superficial instead of the eternal. Okay, is there anything in my life we should start with? Is there anything in my life that is causing this? That I have brought upon myself? And what should I do to make this right before the Lord? Now, if not, then you go on with your life. And you ask God to help you in the midst of that. See what he is trying to teach you and how he's trying to mold you into that image of Christ. So first of all, the, we looked at the introduction here, but there is a confrontation. While the last sermon uh, or the section introduced two of the uh, main characters among the Canaanites, this section introduces two of the three main characters among the Israelites. And we meet uh, Jael in 4-7 and Deborah, her name means honeybee, uh, who was a prophetess, along with other women in the Old Testament. She was uh, a prophetess. And we don't know exactly uh, what kind of prophetess this was. We do, some have suggested that she was a Syrah-type prophet whose visions under the palm tree provided inspiration for the people and the reason that they say that is the culture of the era would not normally have supported a woman uh, in military and political leadership they and especially you know Israel would not have and so the situation speaks of a probable lack of qualified men and we can see this for everybody did right what uh, what was uh, in their own sight 
And, and, you know, it's hard. It's like in church. Churches a lot of times force their, the, the, the women who are mothers who are taking care of children and have all those responsibilities into a leadership role because the men won't take the, the role that they should. And so, and I'm not saying that women don't have teaching roles and different things uh, in the church, but, and, and another thing that we need to be careful about is, I, you know, you hear people say, well, you know, I believe in women preachers because this talks of a woman prophecies and other places. But, you know, as I said, this was a unique situation. And this was not the norm. And so men were usually in that leadership row, and we need to be very careful about that. And plus, this was not the church, nor the qualifications that are given for the church. So this is an entirely different situation. Um, but as we look at this, we see the corruption. And here, the, uh, the verse in verses 11 through 13, we read now Haber, the... Uh, Canite had, or Canite had uh, separated himself from uh, his brethren, from the sons of Hoab, or Hobab, excuse me, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of uh, Zanamnim, which is near Kadesh. And so, what had happened here is he was a Canite or Canite, and he related to Israel through Moses. And the, uh, you know, they had been, they had had friendly relationships with godly people or God's people. And Abraham, however, had left the other Canaanites. And uh, by this, I mean, not only did he remove himself geographically, but he also removed himself from any family loyalty when he moved away. And pitched his tent by uh, this great tree in Zananim, near Kadesh. And since this was the region in which Barak was raising an army, it's likely the reason that uh, the, there is the insertion of him here at this point in the study because he was uh, probably a traitor who had uh, given the information of his people over to Sisera. And the reason for that is because of trade and other reasons where he did not want to be attacked by him. He, you know, he, he just compromised himself. And so uh, Sisera knew that he could trust Abram. And, uh, and so he heard about this rebellion uh, from him probably. And he gathered 900 iron chariots, it says in 17. And all the men with him from Harosheth, Hagajim, uh, to the Kishron River. And so at this time, the Kishron River or Kishon River was uh, probably dry, they say. And so, you know, it, it was a, a perfect place for him to fight the Israelites because with the uh, armor that he had and the chariots he had, he would definitely wipe them out. But there was a different kind of annihilation if you'll look in verses 14 through 16. It says that, uh, and Deborah said to Barak, Arise, Barak, for this is a day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Very important 
This is the day which the Lord has given him into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. But he, you know, so he went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and, and his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Hashoseth, Hagajim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one was left. And so here we see the, uh, the battle that went just the opposite of what everybody thought by their senses. As they saw these, the enemy with all the chariots, why not be fearful? Because how in the world are they going to take them? But Deborah told him that a word had come from God and that God was going before him, he was going to take care of the situation. So first, we see the dec decorative uh, promise that was given uh, that day. And that is, the day the Lord has given, this day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. And second, we see the rhetorical question here. Uh, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? There is no question about who was in charge. But we face the same situations a lot of times. And that is we become afraid because we forget the promises of the Lord. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we, you know, don't think of that. If, if Satan can get us in our eyes on our flesh, thinking about what we can do and what we can't do, in our own power, then he will have us defeated. And we've got to remember that the Lord has won the battle at Calvary. We're just fighting from the battle. And we have these skirmishes every day as we walk with the Lord. And so uh, Barak advanced and the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army. And the word rout there brings to mind a, uh, a mob confusion and panic. And we uh, learn from the second or this next chapter in chapter 5 that the chariots were mired in mud and, uh, because of a storm that came up. And the, uh, they, you know, they just were all confused with it, not knowing what to do and, and fearful. And so they took off uh, running and the, uh, the Israelites took off after them under Bar Barak and they overtook them and killed them, annihilated them. So uh, he, the leader of it, Sisera, he escaped. And as he escaped, we see that there was a massive manhunt uh, to uh, get him. And, and uh, you know... Uh, Barak was very eager to get him, and he wanted to, uh, uh, to take him by the sword. But just as Deborah had predicted to him, and we'll learn more about this next week, but she had told him, he said, I'll go to battle if you will go with me. And, and that may be for different reasons. Number one, probably uh, some fear. But number two, 
He knew that he could round up more people and they would come together under her because they respected her. And, and number three, that that meant and showed them that God was with them and that they would run off and they would follow uh, more obediently. And so there's different reasons for this, but we see that she went with him to a, to a point and then he went into battle and then we see the assassination here and, and of the, uh, the people and the annihilation and, and then the, the general running. Uh, and we see that uh, uh, Barak going after him. And where did he run to? He ran to the safe haven that he thought he had. And that was Haber. And uh, because he had been taking care of him. Well, when he got there... He was taken in, and he was treated very uh, kindly, and, and he was hidden, and, and everything went well. But his wife, Jael, she uh, came along after he fell asleep and drove a pe peg through his temple. And this is Bedouin's, uh, you know, uh, uh, people they uh, they did the women usually put up the tents so this was not uncommon for her to have this uh, talent here and and to be able to do it uh, drive a peg peg uh, through his temple but we see that you know there was some questions about why in the world did she do this because that was not hospitality that's not how you treat uh, a, a person and uh, you know you don't want to be treated that way and and so in turn uh, we find out more than likely she heard what was happening with the uh, Israelites and she wanted to be on the winning side she didn't want to be one who uh, you know kept him and, and harbored him and uh, protected him uh, he uh, you know her or her husband and so she did this but more than that, it was in God's plan, wasn't it? God said to Deborah that you won't get the glory, Barak. It'll be a woman. And he, everybody probably thought it was Deborah who would get the, uh, the glory at first. But it was not her. It was Jael. So we see that Barak came hot on the hills of, of uh, Sisera. And he arrived at jail's tent, but he arrived too late. Uh, maybe hoping that he at least have some honor here, but he didn't. And jail went out to meet him. And you, uh, he says, I'll show you the man that you're looking for. And when he went in, he found this peg through his temple. He was dead. God's word through Deborah was fulfilled. A way that was not expected by Barak. And what Deborah started, J.L. finished. And the victory was not minor, but major. It was the beginning of the end of Jabin. As the Lord had done with Sisera, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before the Israelites, and the battle was won. So was the war. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty in Zechariah. And that's how it was won. And so the text describes no condemnation for Jael's action. Uh, in the next chapter, in fact, she is praised 
as a hero or heroine, heroine, as said in contrast to Sesra's mother. And so those critical of Jael should remember that Sesra had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years and that he lay under God's death sentence, just like with Pharaoh and just like with others. But in, in looking at this, in seeing this, we see that despite all of this, we need to learn some, some lessons from this, and that is we need to understand that, that God is in control, that it is God who is going to carry out his purpose, and it is God who will work through us if we will allow him. You see, God incorporates the free actions of hum, human beings, and uh, he incorporates them into accomplishing his purpose. Our gain is less important than God's glory. And, Sis, uh, and Barak found that out, didn't he? Our gain is less important than God's victory or God's glory. And despite our uncertainties, God will remain true to his promise. His plans will not be thwarted. Now, we may think that they are. It may not be in our time. It may not be on, on our timetable, and it may not happen the way that we thought it would or should, but it will not be thwarted. And spiritual, spiritually standing still and doing nothing is a sin. The Israelites should have learned this. Instead of compromising with the enemy and standing still, they should have stand firm and they should have moved forward in the Lord and been obedient to the Lord. Because God will judge that as a sin. If you have God's promise and know God's will, then you need to move forward by faith. All of us. We don't need to dwell on our inadequacies. You know, or be overwhelmed by our obstacles. Remember that God is greater than our difficulties and strive to be a spiritual leader, a spiritual worker, a spiritual minister, a spiritual mission worker, whoever it might be that is a winner for the Lord. We need to do that. And as we look at the song that Deborah wrote, next week we'll see how important it is in looking at the wording of it noticing how God speaks to us through those words how many of us sit how many of us sat and, and sang the, uh, the songs tonight but sang them just mentally how many of us saw the words and allowed them to speak to our hearts. What God, who God was or who God is, what he's doing. Do we do that? So often it's just routine, isn't it? And we don't. I heard a preacher one time talk about this and he said, well, you know, I'd been saved for a good little while. And he said, it had begun to become routine to me. And he said, but I, I was at a meeting with a, another friend of mine. 
and he said he had been truly converted in the Lord like me, but he was walking with the Lord and he had a daily journey with the Lord. And as I was singing the songs, I was just moving my lips and moving through them, listening to the music. And I looked over at him, and his eyes were closed as he was singing the songs, meditating upon each word, each phrase, and what God was saying. Do we do that? We'll learn from that. She wrote that song with a meaning. For it to be placed in their minds and their hearts to remember who God is and what he had done. And they rejoiced in that. Short-lived, but they rejoiced in it. And then the cycle repeats itself, as we'll see later on. Let's bow our heads in prayer.